Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In all three of the readings for the saints' day, we are told that the saints will see God. Jesus declares, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The Apostle John writes, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And St. John again gives us a vision of heaven where the saints stand before the throne of God and see with their own eyes the Lamb. This is also what Job confessed his hope to be, that he would again stand again upon the earth and see God with his own eyes. This is the goal of your life. It is what God created you for, to see him. It will not happen perfectly until you are in heaven or until the great last day when the Lord Jesus comes with his holy angels and judges the living and the dead. Then, as St. Paul says, you will see face to face. Then you will know As you have been known. This is what the saints in heaven see right now. I used to pity people when they die young in their prime. With what we think is much left undone. What a ridiculous, faithless, silly thought. Pity a Christian for going to heaven. Pity them for getting to see God face to face. I pitied because I imagined that this sinful world is where the action is, where stuff gets done, where we can accomplish great things. And it is. This is the arena of the good fight of faith. The place where we battle the devil. The earth where we work to spread God's kingdom. There is much to be done. But the point of it all, the end, the goal of everything we do is finally to see God. To see the one who created you. To look on the face of the son who suffered for you. Who still proudly wears the marks of his passion. This is what the blessed dead see. This is why St. Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, how blessed are those whose lives are ended. Then we will see perfectly. Now we see as through a mirror dimly, St. Paul says, but we do see. And the more we see dimly, the more we will want to see perfectly. It is like seeing a beautiful sight from far off and wanting more than anything to get closer to see it in all its beauty. The joy of seeing it is enough to make you happily bear the slog of life. On the way, sometimes you dip down into a trench and the beautiful sight is hidden from you, view. But you know it is there and you pick up your pace to get up the hill and see it again in the distance. There is your goal. Every taste we have of God's mercy in this life, every sight we have of his wisdom, of his beauty, of his love and care, of his happiness should spur us on to want to see it perfectly. So that death is no fear 
to us. And we do not think any more of pitying the blessed dead. But we yearn with all our heart to be there with them. To see the love, the mercy, the wisdom, the beauty, the joy in all his glorious light. That is who God is. Pure love, pure mercy, pure wisdom, pure beauty, pure joy. Whatever of this we see in this world, we see only dimly, only as a ray from the sun. But then with all its brightness. This is our happiness. We do not define happiness according to our own sinful desires. That is pure anarchy. And we see it taking absurd formation in our society with nothing but pain and misery in its wake. If the boy wants to be a girl, go ahead. Follow your feelings and you will be happy. Except he won't be because he will never be a girl because God exists and he is creator. And there is no way for a boy to be happy except as a boy. If a husband no... If the husband no longer feels the spark in the romance with his wife, go ahead, follow your feelings, chase after the new flame, and you will be happy. Except he won't. And meanwhile, him pursuing his supposed happiness has destroyed the happiness of his wife, whom God gave him to have and to hold. It is anarchy. If you choose your happiness... And I choose mine according to what we want. Our desires will conflict and the stronger will win and the weak will lose. This is the fatal flaw in all utilitarian thinking. All talk of happiness based on my own desires. It ends in me hurting you because my feelings are more important than yours. It ends in a will to power. The survival of the fittest, a Darwinian horror show, which is the culture of death and fornication and abortion and sodomy and covetousness. It is godless, and being godless, it is loveless. God is love. Jesus tells us what true happiness is. The word Jesus uses for blessed, we could translate as happy. Except that this word always has God in mind. Makarios. Happy, yes. But happy with God smiling on you. Happy with God approving. Happy with God giving it. Happy as God intends it. And it is this definition of happiness that the Holy Spirit writes on the Christian mind and heart. Teaches us to think and see and live. Our happiness always involves our God, is always on his terms, according to what he tells us is good. Without him, we cannot be happy. Without him, the very notion of happiness is meaningless and vanity. Blessed, happy with God are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is not only a promise of heaven. It is what God gives us on earth. Jesus says to Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The pure in heart see God. 
here dimly in time, there perfectly in eternity. We sing, create in me a clean heart, O God, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, because there we see God. And it is only the pure in heart who will see him. There we see his love, experience his joy, consume his mercy, stare into his wisdom. And it is only the pure in heart who can do this. But you are a sinner, and your heart is not pure. Yes, it has lusted after evil, has hated, has been discontent. But the Lord Jesus is pure. Come, he says, let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. The purity expected in the Old Testament for a man to enter into God's presence, where he dwelt between the cherubim on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. The purity was a cleansing of the body. You could not enter the temple without purifying, without washing the body. The penalty for doing so was death. And this was a picture of the spiritual reality. God does not care how clean your body is. The person sitting next to you might. Your mother might. And for their sake, you should wash your hands and take your showers. But God is concerned with your heart. To enter into his presence, you must be pure in heart. And this is not what you are in yourself. This beautiful vision of seeing God, of seeing his beauty, his joy, his wisdom, this great goal of our life, this pinnacle and definition of happiness, this you cannot have. You cannot attain unless your heart is purified and cleansed. So mean it when you sing, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, O God. Everything depends on this, the blood of Jesus, which you receive by faith. His righteous payment of his own innocence to the throne of God's justice. His perfect obedience and divine love poured forth in anguish and agony on the cross. This purifies your heart from dead works to serve the living God. No sin or filth can stand there where Jesus dwells. Jesus is pure innocence and he joins himself to you like a cover on your heart. So that all God can see is purity and innocence and beauty. A pure heart. And so you see God. You see pure love, pure mercy, pure righteousness, pure beauty, pure joy in Jesus, in his very body and blood, given and shed for you. What is this except to see God? What is God? Who is God? He is mercy. He is love. He is beauty. He is joy. He is flesh and blood. But in the meantime, you will look at your own spirits and see how poor they are. You will mourn over the trials and crosses God put in your lives. You will seek justice in your lives and yet see that the wicked so often prosper. You will be weak 
and meek as the wicked persecute and say all kinds of evil against you because you are Christians. And Jesus says, good, you are blessed, you are happy, because all this drives you to put all your hope in Jesus and spurs you on to the goal of seeing his glorious face. Practice mercy now. Love and forgive one another. Suffer for the sake of the gospel. Take joy. Rejoice, Jesus says, when they say all kinds of evil against you. Because here, too, you see God. These are the acts of God, the acts of Christ. To love, to forgive, to have mercy. To be mocked and insulted for the sake of God's kingdom. This is to be conformed to the image of the Son, here in time, imperfectly, dimly, so that you hope and look forward all the more to that blessed day when you will be like him, conformed to his glorious body, and see him as he really is. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.